Tonight, a state of emergency imposed by U.S. President Trump in Washington, D.C., as the FBI warns of armed protests by Trump supporters across the country. U.S. Democrats are bent on pursuing a second impeachment of Trump for instigating the deadly riots in the Capitol. The armed forces of the Philippines dismayed by the release of policemen who shot and killed four army officers last year. And Indonesian authorities retrieve one of the flight data recorders of the crashed passenger plane in the Java Sea. Good evening, I'm Tony Velasquez. I'm Karen Davila. On our broadcast tonight, U.S. President Trump declares a state of emergency in Washington, D.C. as federal investigators warn of armed protests across America in the run-up to the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. This comes days after the deadly Capitol Hill riot for which House Democrats want Trump impeached. Our North America Bureau Chief T.J. Manato has tonight's top story. U.S. President Donald Trump declares a state of emergency in Washington, D.C. to help augment the security in the Capitol ahead of Joe Biden's inauguration. The National Guard is already sending an additional 15,000 troops. This comes as the FBI warned there remains a threat of armed protests in all 50 states leading up to January 20th. For the mayor of Washington, D.C., they're already struggling with the pandemic, but now they also have to focus on containing threats of domestic terrorism. This is necessary because the inauguration poses several unprecedented challenges that exceed the scope of our traditional planning processes. The COVID-19 pandemic and, of course, the domestic terror attack on the United States Capitol. After U.S. House Democrats failed to convince Vice President Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office, they filed the article of impeachment on inciting insurrection. The House will formally vote on the House resolution on Tuesday, while they expect to vote on the article of impeachment on Wednesday. The U.S. Constitution is largely silent on whether a president can still be impeached after he has left office. The 1876 impeachment of William Belknap, the war secretary of then-President Ulysses Grant, for graft, even after leaving office, may serve as a precedent. Some constitutional scholars say there's no reason Congress could not proceed with Trump's impeachment trial even after he left office. Biden, for his part, says he is not afraid of possible protests by Trump supporters and will go on with his oath of office on Inauguration Day on the steps of the Capitol, adding that it's critical to immediately hold accountable all who caused the violence on January 6th. I'm not afraid of taking the oath outside. And we've been getting briefed, but I am. Uh, I think it's critically important that there be a real serious focus on holding those folks who engage in sedition and threaten people's lives, deface public property, cause great damage, that they be held accountable. And uh, I think that's a view that is held by the vast majority of Democrats and Republicans in the Congress. If Trump is eventually impeached again, he would become the only U.S. president to be impeached twice. But the Democrats aren't content with just that. They want him eventually convicted at the Senate and removed from the White House and as well barred from ever again holding public office. T.J. Manotok, ABS-CBN News, San Francisco, California.
The Philippine Health Department urges caution in interpreting COVID-19 data as local researchers observe an upward trend in infections in Metro Manila. Hospitals in the region also bracing for a possible surge in coronavirus cases following Saturday's Feast of the Black Nazarene. Vivian Gulia reports. The first few days of the year saw an upward trend in the reported COVID cases in the country following the holiday festivities. The daily tally had been increasing since the beginning of January until it hit over 2,000 Monday, the highest since December 18th. While the number of fresh COVID cases went down to 1,524 Tuesday, the country logged 139 deaths, the highest since October 8th. The Okta Research Group also observed an upward trend in COVID cases in Metro Manila. Its study shows that since January 6th, the reproduction number of COVID-19 and NCR exceeded the 1.0 threshold, an indication that the infection is spreading to more people. But for the Department of Health, these data should be interpreted with caution. The DOH says to more accurately see the extent of the holiday's effect on COVID cases in the country, it may be better to wait another week, as COVID-19 has a maximum incubation period of 14 days, and recent data may have been affected by the normalization of COVID laboratory operations after the Christmas break. This has to be interpreted cautiously kasi nga, alam natin during the holiday period, medyo bumaba po ang laboratory outputs no? by as much as 30%. So ngayon lang po nagnonormalize ang ating functions ng mga laboratories natin and this might have some effect no, on the number of reported cases. Some hospitals also felt the slight increase in COVID-related patients but they say the numbers remain within manageable levels. Tumaas bahagya ang census ng East Avenue Medical Center to about 60 to 65% utilization ng mga COVID beds namin. Uh, compared to uh, pre-holiday utilization, which is around 50 to 60%. Sa ngayon, manageable pa ito for East Avenue Medical Center. Based sa census po kahapon, ay may 95 patients po na may COVID sa PGH. So, compared to mga 80 to 85 before the holidays, we're uh, a little bit less than 50% of our bed capacity mm -hmm. for COVID. Hospitals in Metro Manila are now bracing for a possible surge in COVID cases following the Feast of the Black Nazarene last January 9th, which drew hundreds of thousands of devotees in Manila. Kinakabahan at naghahanda ang healthcare workforce. So yun yung pinaghahandaan natin, systems, the number of beds, even the referral networks. The World Health Organization has this advice. We need to push for very early identification of cases. It is critically important that the DOH and the LGUs uh, put in place mechanisms to already uh, initiate those early actions so that further transmission can be reduced. And as the Feast of the Santo Nino draws near, the Healthcare Professionals Alliance Against COVID-19 issues this call. Pwede naman ho natin siguro i-celebrate ang kapisahan ng Santo Nino virtually. Ayaw naman namin na maghihini pa uli kami ng, ng, uh, ng MECQ o ECQ sa ating uh, Pangulo at saka sa ating pamahalaan. Kaya sana uh, habang... Uh, Wag na nating hintayin na no. Yun yung sa amin. Wag na nating hintayin na dumami pa. The city government of Manila agrees. 
Mayor Isko Moreno has banned festivities to celebrate the event. The Manila mayor says street parties, parades and other similar activities will not be allowed on January 16th and 17th to avoid the spread of COVID-19. Curfew hours and liquor ban will also be implemented within Pandakan and Tondo. To keep the health crisis from spiraling out of control, the OCTA report recommended intensified COVID testing, tracing and isolation, and stricter border control and enforcement of minimum health standards. Vivian Gulia, ABS-CBN News. The Philippine National Police releases nine officers who've been detained for killing four soldiers in Sulu Island last year. The nine dismissed policemen were freed last week, despite a Justice Department request to hold them in custody. Justice Secretary Minardo Guevara says he was expecting a court in Holo to issue arrest warrants for the officers. Guevara says the pandemic lockdown in Sulu prevented the court from doing so. The National Police Chief, Debold Sina, says they had to release the officers or else be accused of arbitrary detention. The military expressed disappointment over the policeman's release and the court's failure to issue arrest warrants. The armed forces previously, previously said twin suicide bombings in Holo last August could have been averted if the police had not killed the four Army intelligence officers who were tracking down the Holo bombers. Philippine House Speaker Lord Alan Velasco gets the backing of various political party leaders on the eve of a House hearing on his proposal to amend economic provisions in the Constitution. The chair of the House Committee on Constitutional Amendments even says the panel wants to endorse Velasco's measure to the plenary as soon as possible. R.G. Cruz reports. Behind closed doors, Speaker Lord Alan Velasco met with leaders of the political parties and the House majority a day before the Committee on Constitutional Amendments tackles his proposal to amend the 1987 Constitution. The leaders come from the various political blocs that support his leadership from the PDP-Laban, the Nationalist People's Coalition, the Nationalista Party, the National Unity Party, the Lakas CMD, the Hukpong ng Pagbabago, the Liberal Party, and the Partilist Coalition. Deputy Speaker Bernadette Herrera told media that the party leaders back Velasco's proposal. Committee on Constitutional Amendments Chair Alfredo Garbin pointed out that Velasco's resolution of both houses number two limits amendments to seven sections in Articles 12, 14, and 16 of the 1987 Constitution. RBH2 merely seeks to add the words unless otherwise provided by law to empower Congress to pass laws to regulate foreign investment limits. Garbin says the panel wants to endorse the measure to the plenary right away to eliminate doubts that political provisions will be amended. Among the resource persons invited to the committee hearing on Wednesday are two former chiefs of the National Economic Development Authority. Albay Representative Edsel Lagman, however, assailed the validity of the proposal, insisting that charter amendments can only be pursued by an elected constitutional convention or Congress sitting as a constituent assembly. Lagman is uncomfortable with giving Congress blanket authority to tinker with foreign investment limits. But for Marikina 2nd District Representative Stella Kimbo, this proposal would be very useful in future-proofing the Constitution by giving Congress flexibility to address challenges down the line. In the meantime, Deputy Speaker Benvenido Abante appeals to everyone to keep an open mind about charter amendments, pointing out that mechanisms for amending the charter were put in place to allow government to adapt to changing times. R.G. Cruz, ABS-CBN News. The Trump administration puts Cuba back on its list of state sponsors of terrorism. This report. The Trump administration announced Monday that it was returning Cuba to the U.S. list of state sponsors of terrorism. 
a move that could complicate any efforts by the incoming Biden administration to revive Obama-era easing of strained relations with Havana. Just nine days before President Donald Trump leaves office, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said Cuba was being blacklisted for, quote, repeatedly providing support for acts of international terrorism by harboring U.S. fugitives and Colombian rebel leaders. Cuba's security support for Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro was also cited by Pompeo as another reason for the blacklist. Pompeo said in a statement, quote, with this action, we will once again hold Cuba's government accountable and send a clear message. The Castro regime must end its support for international terrorism and subversion of U.S. justice. In 2015, former U.S. President Barack Obama formally removed Cuba from the terrorism list to help restore diplomatic ties between the two countries. Returning Cuba to the list rolls back that effort and would require lengthy legal deliberations for President-elect Joe Biden to reverse the move. The terrorism designation carries a prohibition on U.S. economic aid and a ban on U.S. arms exports, among other restrictions. Indonesian authorities retrieve one of the flight data recorders of a passenger plane which plunged into the Java Sea last weekend. The black box of the Boeing 737-500 was brought to Jakarta Tuesday. Divers have also handed to authorities around 60 bags containing body parts and debris from the plane. Once both black boxes are retrieved, officials expect to be able to read the data within three days. The plane operated by Sriwijaya Air crashed four minutes after takeoff from Jakarta Airport Saturday. More than 60 people were on board. Our final word tonight is a quote from Stephen King. The most important things are the hardest to say because words diminish them. And that is The World Tonight, the 12th of January, 2021. I'm Karen Davila. And I'm Tony Velasquez. From the Philippines, thank you. Mabuhay.